Hey guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Kuro. We get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, Tex Kuro, and today we will be diving into Forest of Spirits, an absolutely delightful read featuring an Ian's old forest spirit and son of Turan, better known as Aphrodite. But first, the tea. A spicy and sweet brew from the Middle East and Asia, cardamom tea is made from the seeds of the cardamom plant. Cardamom tea can be made from either black or green cardamom. Black cardamom comes from the Amumum cardamomum species and has a smoky flavour along with a slightly minty scent. Green cardamom from the Electaria cardamomum species has a sweet and spicy flavour by contrast. Now, cardamom tea aids in weight loss and disease prevention and it is also good for oral health. It has also been proven to help curb with the the withdrawal effects from nicotine, thereby helping people quit smoking. So this tea has quite the legacy. Now this book meshed together many different myths into a beautiful story that I really, really enjoyed. Forest of Spirits by S.J. Sanders is part of the Dark Spirits um, series, but it can also be read alone. I read it alone, it was really good. Uh, our protagonist is this badass huntress, Diana, and this Selvani Lukumo, which is a fancy way of saying forest spirit. And basically, uh, Selvas, which is Lukumo's name, is the king of the eternal forest. He is the son of Turan, and you meet uh, this personification of Aphrodite early on in the prologue, I believe. Now, this uh, world is set up such that the mortal realm um, has been affected by the supernatural world bleeding into their world. So, all these creatures of myth and legend, humans have uh, grown accustomed to seeing them and seeing this mist that slowly encroaches on their, ter- in, on their territory and making what was once their normal human world something different and other and strange. Now... As I said before, uh, it has brought about all manner of fear and strange creatures. And at the beginning, uh, Diana stumbles upon a fawn. And we see here that she exchanges her lunch for safe passage out of his territory. Um, One of the main reasons that Diana uh, is such a good hunter, aside from her dexterity and her talent, is the fact that unlike the rest of hunters from her small village, um, she actually offers tribute before she goes into the forest and she does not take more than she needs and that respect has uh gained that respect has gained her passage and right and her basically she's gained her right to continue to hunt in that specific part of the forest near her home. Now of course all this carefully cultivated um this carefully cultivated relationship between the forest and Diana goes up in flames when the Lokomo Silvas catches her while on the prowl for this malevolent uh, malevolent entity called Kakos. Now this thing creature uh, it feeds off humans and forest creatures alike. It's like a it's like walking miasma and the key. It's just absolutely horrible. So Diana is trying to get out of the swan's territory on one end and on the other back at his castle axe 
Silvos is hearing from one of his uh, elven lords, and here one of the really um cool differences between the actual usual spelling you see of elf e l e l f, they use this um more ancient spelling a e l f no a e l v e s yeah that so I think you pronounce I still I think you pronounce it the same way or maybe owls owls I'm not sure but I thought it was really cool a little bit of trivia in the book that I really appreciated. So you have Diana trying to get out of the forest safely after she lost her way. Um, she did lose her way because these other hunters, they still employ the use of technology. Diana didn't trust it anymore because since the supernatural and the mortal realm kind of coincided, technology didn't work as it used to and she didn't really trust it. And because of um, being distracted by these hunters who just plowed through the forest in this jeep, she kind of lost her way. Because uh, after a little while, she heard these mo- these screams as if something was tearing them apart. Now back in the castle arcs, which is actually a living entity, and you get to learn more about that um, after Silvas and Diana meet, one of his uh, vassal lords for a territory outside of the Eternal Forest co- um, has come to tell him that humans are disappearing and really they are doing it out of the selfish desire that they want their territory to remain safe, they want themselves to be remain safe. But Silvas, obviously, he's king of the Eternal Forest, all these creatures are under his command, so he was going anyway, but um, he just had to marvel a little bit at the audacity of this vassal lord. So he sends him away, and he went out of Axe, and he sensed um, Caucus in his land, and he went, and instead of finding the, the malevolent entity, he found Diana, and, well, the massacred remains of the hunters in the jeep. So that is their first meeting, and you get to see it from both their perspectives. He sees this scared human, she sees this monstrous, odd, but not altogether. So she doesn't think that his strangeness is appalling. She just sees it as, as interest, um, interesting. And then he carts her away to his castle. So they reach Axe. He kind of like just pushes her in a room there in the castle for the meanwhile. While he goes to visit <coughs> sorry, his sister, Dorinda. Now, Dorinda is a seer and she's also this kind of snake-like woman. She, her lower half is that of a serpent. And you call her Vigua, I believe it's pronounced. And... Basically, in this ironic twist of fate, when Axe sprung into being, because remember, this castle is alive, um, uh, Silvas was not aware that Dorinda had her um, pool below it. And because Axe sprung up right above where Dorinda resided, she was basically trapped within the confines of the castle, never being able to go out into the sunlight or whatever. And Silvas thought that he was protecting her because Avegoa was very um, desired, both among humans and their kind alike. So he sees it as protecting her, Dorinda sees it as he's imprisoning her. So the siblings are at odds there, they are siblings. So... You get to meet her, and it's actually really nice. Um, you see that she t- 
takes a liking to Diana instantly. She even allows her into her cave, something she doesn't allow anyone except Silvas to do. That you, and you learn that later on. I uh, also meet Alcida, this dryad who was previously um, consort to Silvas. And um, eventually she does. Her jealousy get and greed and lust for power um, draw her to uh, Cacus and they eventually that leads to her demise. You also meet uh, this troll who is Silvas's second in command. I believe his name is Raskew. I cannot pronounce his name, but he, basically he was at odds with Diana. He thought that she was sent to trick his ma- um his friend or something to that extent, but eventually he garners a really high respect for her because um she is basically they find out that she and Silvas are actually mates and this was the reason that Turan actually stuck her nose in and meddled in um his life for a little bit and that was really funny it was really really funny because in the prologue she's just like all her children hate when she sticks her nose in their business and then she's like but they'll thank her for it and it was it was amazing honestly so you have all this going on eventually uh rescue diana and silvas they all uh embark on this journey this kind of quest a little bit of Percy Jackson vibes there because um Dorinda had told Silvas that his faith and Diana's were interwoven and then he had an inkling that maybe his mother had something to do with it but seeing as fate was dictating them to work together they were journeying to where the Strix lived Strix streaks uh, which is all like hug and basically they were going journeying to retrieve this sword that belonged to Silvas and he helped he had helped uh many years ago um he used the sword to help defeat this great evil so he needs to get back the sword to defeat Kakas to save um both the human world and the eternal forest so they're embarking on this journey uh they're riding this kind of wolf-like creature called a crocota and that, that was really um fun you get to meet them um and that was, it, it was really cool. They're like, they're like all domestic dogs, but they're completely untamed and they're just amazing. So you get to see that dynamic build between Diana and Rescue and it's just amazing. And then you get to actually see the relationship between Diana and Silvas, like, proceed. That progress is amazing. Um, Diana actually, unbeknown to her, she actually meets her namesake and... That was really cool. Then they eventually do get back the sword. However, um, Silvas had initially thrown it away because the sword brings out his darker, his darker side, for lack of better words. So he kind of becomes a different person. He becomes the locum, the locomo of the eternal forest rather than just Silvas. Um, sometimes God, sometimes asshole, I guess. And Diana sees this. She sees this stark change in his personality and she's worried for it and then Dorinda gives him another kind of riddle like uh, prophecy um, and he obviously misinterprets it completely he thinks that it means he can't trust Diana that in turn leads to him completely forgetting about her for a period of time and they separate the eternal forest falls asleep 
really nice plot. The ending of the book is basically them rebuilding that trust that they had before, as well as working towards trying to kill um, Kokos. And they do eventually kill her, this um, malevolent spirit, and they do get there happily ever after. But this was a really um, good book, a really nice way to explore some of these different um, these different mythologies. I like how they mixed it. So there was some mention of um, Sharon, the ferryman for the Greeks. There was mention of uh, another version of Venus, so Aphrodite, uh, in Turan. Turan is the Etruscan, I believe that's how you pronounce it. So um, that's their re- um, version of their goddess of uh, love. Uh, I That was the first I've ever heard of it, so it was really new to me and I enjoyed it. And... Just the dynamic of the characters is really fun to get along with. So I definitely recommend this read as a little, like, fun in-between while you're trying to figure out what next big series you want to tackle. So I believe that's the end of this episode. Um, As always, if you enjoyed this episode and feel so obliged, give me a follow at Talks with Kuro on Instagram. You can find this episode and a host of other episodes um, at the same handle, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, as well as the Acast platform. It distributes to a lot of other platforms. So uh, that's it for now, guys, and I'll see you later. Bye!